Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com What's up, everyone? It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we have Michael Patterson, the CEO of U.S. Cannabis, joining us today. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So what's going on this week, Miggy and Tom? Hey. 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 How you doing? Lots of shit going on, eh, Tom? Uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts, man. There's been a lot of shit going on in the state of Illinois, but I'm basically just like slammed with all the uh, dispensary applications that I'm on, and I'm like, I'm closed. I'm, I'm not closed. It's just like I'm not taking any more new teams. Let's talk after the first of the year when it's um, uh, the, the new round of licenses come out. But yeah, they were also kind of stoked on West Virginia coming out in December. Uh, the Illinois stuff, though, is really getting hairy. So I'm going to be. What's the deadline for that? Uh, January 2nd, but I want mine in uh, December 23rd. But I thought the legalization was on the first, though. Yeah, but the applications are due by uh, January 2nd. Legalization will start on the 1st. There'll be long lines. There'll be $100 eighths. It's the type of eighth that makes you consider going back to the black market. It's the $100 eighth. Yeah. But you know the, 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 the honor to buy a legal weed? I mean, at least for guys like you and me who've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you go in there, you're like, I'll pay the $20 for a gram. Oh, it's and- still going to be better than anything you can get on the street uh, in Illinois. I mean, like, right? it's just, it's, it's night and day. Like when you're able to grow it under ideal your door and shut you down, um, yeah. it's just easier. But yeah, hopefully uh, Comcast doesn't throttle me because but, like we're doing this live feed and sometimes when I try to do uploads, uh, the, the internet's like, hey, that guy's using his stuff. Let's, let's shut him down. Right, I, I saw that. Hey, did you, you know what the, uh, the secret uh, ingredient to uh, black market cannabis is? Uh, no taxes? Crime. Oh, crime's a secret ingredient. I that thought it so good. say love. The secret <laughs> ingredient is love. All right, who's been screwing with this thing? But there was some pretty cool news that did come out over the course of the week. Um, you know, and then this is, I'm going to put my screen on there. One of the things, and this is, uh, hey, uh, next week, um, trying to take them off, off. Lauren, help. Okay, great. So <laughs> we're going to be doing a, a talk to the ISBA, that's the Illinois State Bar Association, about the uh, Cannabis Act in Illinois. And I'm not going to be doing this part because this part is for the employment section. And so they have clarified the employee liability under the uh, Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act. And they essentially say, yes, 
it is okay to maintain a drug-free work zone. And uh, no, you cannot, uh, you know, what do they do? What do they call it? Discriminate against people for uh, using cannabis. It's it's preposterous. The fact know? they had to make a rule for that. What's that? The fact that they had, they had to make a rule. Like they, they had to. Um, it was a, it was part of the trailer bill that hasn't yet been signed by the state. So like they had to amend the law that they passed and that they signed, and then it gave some more guidance. And they they have the whole. Uh, section that's here. It's section uh, 705-10-50E. So that's going to, that might actually generate a lawsuit in the future against wow. the state for violating something. We'll see. There's going to be a lot of lawsuits against the state because we were thinking about it this way. All right. This is a competitive application in process, right? So yeah. it might be like Pasadena where you get like 2000 applications for a very small number of licenses, right? And and you're allowed to ask for up to the statutory max in, in any particular BLS, and that stands for the Bureau of Labor Statistics region. So what if you're a billionaire and you buy the best flipping application, like perfect, one of those, yeah. and, uh, and you ask for 10 licenses? So wouldn't you come in first through 10th? And so if there's only 47 licenses, a handful of billionaires could buy out all of them, right? Yeah. Is that possible? Because if you have a perfect application and you get a perfect score, why wouldn't you tie at that perfect? Like in golf, you know, somebody, yeah. people would tie for third, right? And then it's, it's that, okay, is that how it's going to be done? Or are they going to say, well, they got first, so they'll get one license. And now we're going to pass on the other licenses that they've requested and judge all the other ones. And if, after we get through those 47, we'll come back to everybody who's already been awarded one license. I, that, I mean, that seems like a more fair way about distribution when it comes to like the but money. There's ballot stuffing that's going on. People are like stuffing the ballots for uh, how many licenses they're going to put in a particular BLS region. Hmm. So there's no set definition, though, right now about how many licenses you're allowed, period, yeah. like as far as the state goes? Yeah. Because uh, talking to our guest in the green room, he was saying Florida has unlimited licenses, which I was amazed well, by. They might have unlimited licenses, but the capital requirements because of the vertical integration might make it so there is a limit. Like there's only so many guys that have $50 million to throw up the cannabis industry. Sure. It's a limited license then. Sure. Yeah. It's unlimited. Yeah, $50 million. <laughs> the big players are all easy to figure out. I mean, you got the Bedmen, you got the, the uh, 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 what is it, the, the one in Florida, True Leaf, and then the one in your guys' area, GLTF. Uh, we, we have uh, we have a couple. We actually have um, Cresco, and we also have GTI. GTI, yeah. And then there's some other fairly Curaleaf, but I don't think Curaleaf's from Illinois. But there are some large operators in the state. But they're in multiple states, therefore they're already starting to do that. You know that branding, that that whole like you know once the 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 wall from state to state is knocked down. You know, those guys are going to be ahead of the game where people walk into like, oh, I know Kmart. I want to go shop there or. True, but then like uh, there are there are the caps. And so there's 500 licenses that are available in the state of Illinois, but a, a cap of 10 per license holder. So imagine if there could only be 10 McDonald's in the state of Illinois. It's very difficult to have a multi-state brand. You know, you could still do it. And so some of the clients that I have are out of state providers. And then, you know, they want their entry into the Chicago market or the Illinois market. I'm like, that's great. Uh, let's let's get that brand there. But, you know, they, they would have a limit of 10 licenses throughout the state. You know, it's it leaves the uh, opportunity open for a lot more participants in theory. 
Yeah. What I see too with branding is, um, uh, at least here in Washington and in other states too, is is events. You know, now you have brands that are holding parties and and doing sociable things. So once, even if you had one store, but yet you have five hundred million dollars back in you, right. I mean, your 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 name association is going to be huge if you if you can work it right. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion. The branding and marketing is going to be huge. You're right. Yeah, I mean, that was that was Lisa that we had on last week, and she just dropped all sorts of knowledge bombs on that one. Yeah. Hey, how about that uh, SARS? And I'm not talking about China. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the SARS. SARS are um, SARS are something that comes from the Bank Secrecy Act, and uh, of course, as you recall, I uh, I also was a bank lawyer for a long uh, period of time, and I'd still take bank clients. Provided that, of course, they need help with uh, cannabis lending. But um, yeah, the SARS, those are suspicious activity reports. And SARS are kind of how I uh, ask people to uh, remember to get that bank relationship with their, their financial institution. I'm like, all right, don't, don't forget. Treat your banking relationship like it is a SAR. You don't discuss it. And even if you would discuss it, you still can't confirm or deny it. And so you just keep it extremely secret. And so, interestingly enough, despite hemp being removed from uh, the Controlled Substances Act, the uh, Department of the Federal Reserve uh, issued some clarification that said, you know, hemp-related customer banks are expen- expected to follow the standard SAR protocol. And if a SAR is an indicia of specific act, specific uh, suspicious activity warrants, because a SAR stands for an acronym for suspicious activity reports. Uh, unfortunately, the problem with a lot of these hemp purchases is that it's in cash. And so you're getting a lot of the, uh, the transactions of over $10,000 in cash that triggers a SAR. And so there's a different type of SAR, three of them actually, for banking cannabis that were released by the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, a.k.a. FinCEN. FinCEN is nestled into the Treasury. And it has issued guidance, and it also does reports regarding these cannabis SARS that are out there on a quarterly basis. The most recent quarter we have is probably the second quarter, and then after the first of next year, we'll get the third quarter. So they, they release them like that. And they, the, the number of SARS have been going up related to cannabis. I don't think you need one for hemp. But uh, if you do get a transaction for cash that exceeds 10000 bucks, you have to file one. But, you know, the, 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 the issue here, too, I, I think it's like with our friend Chris Martin from Hempful Farms. You know, these right. guys uh, are their banks have been getting fucked with for, you know, long, you know, what, since they've been in business. Uh, yeah. Know, inception of uh, what, 2017 or whatever. Well, the, the 2014 farm bill is what really started the hemp movement. Oh, well, yeah. it really excelled. It was the gasoline on the hemp movement, I guess. But it seems like the. Um, the banks didn't get the memo. Like they're just still in the in the wary. Uh, even CBD banks well, are still. Well, what are banks populated by? Who works at a bank? Bankers. Yeah, are bankers conservative? Oh yeah, I mean, well, just there you go. They have prejudice against this stuff, but also uh, there are laws, and under the Bank Secrecy Act specifically, there are uh, types of SARS that you need to do, and there are also types of certain financial crimes, money laundering being a principal example thereof, where uh, if you are dealing and trafficking in a Schedule One substance, which marijuana is uh, under federal law, and up until December 18th of last year, no, signed it on the 20th. December 20th, 2018, hemp 
was still considered marijuana under that federal law. So really, the banks hadn't come around until the first of this year. And I think a lot of the banks were still kind of waiting. And then a lot of it is just straight up prejudice where they're like, eh, those hippies. Yeah. Well, even uh, on the investor side of things, like talking to in the green room with our guests, uh, we're talking about the SARS and talking about he was talking about how, you know, bankers are still scared. But the same thing happens in the early days of all these cannabis businesses. You know, investors were scared. And now you have what's the big one down in California with a pockets, a green angel investment firm just for cannabis. Uh, Steve D'Angelo is part of it. Anyways, you have these different specific investor groups just in cannabis now. Uh, yeah, they didn't exist 10 years ago. But then the reason why there's all these investment groups in cannabis is because they cannot access banking services. So they all have to do private capital raises and use their own money. Uh, it really locks everybody out of the industry. And so then if you all have these billionaires get together and then just gobble up all the license in Illinois, well, that social equity component really didn't matter, did it? So we'll have to see how this thing plays out. I mean, we'll have Toy Hutchinson on. We'll have to reach out to her off. Oh, sure uh, make sure that I'm okay. You know, that's the real thing. No, we'll, we'll make sure that uh, we discuss <laughs> how they are going to ensure that the social equity applicants don't just get swept by the wayside and it's all run by billionaires. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm glad that nobody is allowed to get more than 2% of the market share, but Who's going to get that 2%? Well, yeah. But, I mean, it's still great placements that you guys have ahead of time before uh, the actual overall market kicks in. I mean, Washington doesn't have that. We have big players. I can point to two or three guys who own four or five licenses that uh, it just seems unfair, you know. Uh, well, four or five licenses, that's going to be fine. I mean, then four or five licenses in the state of Illinois out of 500, that's one, you know, 1%. I, have, I, I own 1% of the market. You can't move the market. You know, you're, it requires the operators to kind of collectively come together and lobby the state for uh, legislative changes to the current cannabis laws that we have here, which aren't even enforced yet, uh, to really open them up. You know, I'd like to see at least a thousand dispensaries in the state of Illinois by 2025 or 2030, at least. You know, the one thing your law didn't take into consideration were the scammers. Uh, you the article that I sent you uh, about the uh, oh, Chicago. Yeah, that was interesting. The, the how all these uh, mom and pops have like sprung up and yeah. somewhat quasi authorized by the state. The, you know? the thing is, it's, it's hard. To, you know, people, everybody wants to, to be self-employed. Everybody wants to, to, to not to quit their day job. Everybody wants to have easy, quick money. And, and, and cannabis can offer that <laughs> kind no, of sort of. Yeah, but, kind of sort of, right. If you have a background in it, I mean, again, we've gone through aches and pains of learning about this plant. First off, aches and pains of fighting the law to get to where we're at. And then you have to understand the plant itself. And then like the growers in the, in the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, containing the, 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 the plant. And, you know, there's all these different, uh, requirements for the plant that you just can't hold a symposium at the bottom of a basement of a hotel and say, I am your cannabis expert. No, no, but that's that's not what they're doing. You see, what they're doing is they they have these dispensary agent trainings, all right? And so the state licensed these people to have these dispensary agent trainings. Oh, you shared the link. Okay, I could share it then. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can go. That, that totally makes sense. But these dispensary agent trainings are out there, and then people will put those on their applications to show that they have knowledge and experience 
in the cannabis industry. And then if you go to the most recently released answers that the state put out on November 25th, it explains uh, in the knowledge and experience section that it was worth 30 points, how to get a binary 15 points. And by binary, it's just like it means you get them all or you get none of them. So uh, if you want to get all of them, then it looks like the state has basically telegraphed to you, go do this and then put that on your application and claim that, that gives you knowledge of the the, the, the the act, which is the uh, the cannabis Regulation and Tax Act, or maybe I got those two confused. I think it's the CRTA, and and then you could kind of say, oh, look at look at the knowledge that I have out there, hmm. and uh, it is disingenuous because even after you win the license, that's when you have to go to these uh, training programs, and yeah, if people are just getting scammed, of course. However, then you see the state of Illinois answer a question like that, and you're like. Well, I guess I'll sign up. I better go get that on my freaking application to say that I, I have knowledge of this new law, you know? No, it's this is a, a scary still new uh, industry that you guys are about to embark on. I mean, even here in Washington, we're still going through aches and pains. Uh, yeah, five you know, years. Yeah, after five years. Well, no, it's only five years. I mean, think about where the Internet was in 1990. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Internet. So websites first came online in 1991. By 1996, the website sucked. I mean, you I remember. Think, I met you on MySpace. Yeah. MySpace wasn't until like 2004. So well, I'm just saying, that's where I met you. And therefore, I don't even remember MySpace. It's no one talks about it. Yeah. So like these players, there's such turnover. And so I realize that people want to own and hold these dispensary licenses and that's cool. So what are you going to do with it after it's 24 months old? You know, that's, that, that's marijuana industry is in dog years. It moves so yeah. fast. You know? And we've talked about the requirements just, just to get your foot in door, the licensing, the, the, the security requirements, uh, hell, even the legal fees. Uh, you know, these guys are going in, Thinking, all right, I just take my life savings of 10, 15, 20, 30,000 and I can throw it all in here. Right. And it's not. That's just that's just your foot in the door. Yep. I mean, but it's an exceedingly profitable industry. You know, you can make millions in it, of course. But I am back. Uh, uh, I would like to personally thank Comcast, which is not a sponsor, by the way, uh, for providing shitty Internet. Hey, uh, while we got you, let's see if our guest has good internet. Let's bring the guest on. Yeah, Michael, what's going on? What's up? How's everybody doing? Good. Can you tell us a little bit about U.S. cannabis, please? I can. First of all, though, Miggy, uh, I think we got a wires crossed in Florida. That there's not unlimited licenses. Once you have a license, it's unlimited production and unlimited stores. Oh, my so God. There's, no, there's only... Yeah, there's only 22 licensed businesses, oh, and TrueLeave is one of them. And so we're actually um, uh, raising money to do the $50 million, like you mentioned, to be able to purchase a license. And we've been working now for a year and a half to apply. But in Tom's, the, when he was talking, Tom was. I'm gone. I'm just getting him. Or Xfinity. It's the man. It's the Florida man keeping him down. Oh, it, it's, it's the same. Sorry about that. But it's the same stuff in, in Florida as it is in Illinois. It's just yeah. playing with the law, trying to go through case law. They were supposed to allow more licenses, but then it got held up in the courts. And now it's, it's going to the Supreme Court to see if it's co constitutional or not. So it's just interesting to listen because I was able to learn a lot of Illinois because, as you all know, every state is like a different country. 
So you really have to understand what you're doing. And so that kind of leads into what my company, U.S. Cannabis, does. I'm a CEO, uh, founder, and we have a, a team globally that uh, works with all types of cannabis issues. And so I've been doing this now seven years or seven years in 2020. My background is healthcare. I'm a licensed occupational therapist and nursing home administrator. Um, and if you don't know, nursing home industry is the most legal and uh, litigious and regulated in America. And so coming into cannabis was a nice fit. Um, it's interesting because you guys were talking that, uh, you know, who's coming into the industry and all the different rules and regs. You're absolutely right. What we find is we do a lot of consulting with all different types of groups, whether it be a venture capitalist, uh, a grower, somebody with technology for LEDs. Um, currently, we're working with a group right now to import um, biomass into Australia, medical cannabis biomass from Africa. Well, nobody will trust it because it comes from Africa. So we work on a lot of heavy lift projects around the globe. Um, I'm actually uh, just got invited to speak in New Zealand because they just legalized and they're having a conference in March. So what I'm finding is we as Americans, we need to go out and help these other countries because all the issues that you talked about in Illinois, that could be Croatia or that could be Greece or, you know, because they have the same population base. Like Greece is only 10 million people. So Illinois is what, 13 million? About, yeah. Yeah. So so you look at this and then we have to bring in this knowledge to say, OK, this is what other countries have done. So you may want to go this route or that route. And so it's interesting from an investment standpoint, a lot of investors will invest overseas because it's 100 percent legal here. It's not. And so we have a lot of problems to where these venture capital firms I got like, for example, Tom, this is up your alley. So once hemp was legalized, I started getting all these VC calls about him. They didn't know anything about it. They just heard it was legal. You know, no and wonder so, taking to the cleaners. I mean, like it's just straight up greed. And then when they see that, yeah, they want to believe they're going to be rich tomorrow, and they can get taken advantage of real easy. And and what I find is there's a lot of people who have money, but there's not a lot of people like Miggy and you and me and other people who study this on a daily basis. So a lot of times I see people who want to get into the industry, specifically from the healthcare side, because I'm a healthcare guy. And I always tell people, you have a lot of value. You just don't know that right now right? because you don't know the industry. So what we do is we try to seek out people who are in big pharma, who are in finance or in banking and say, I start bringing them along slowly so they can make that leap when we're ready as we expand, I can bring on people who know those industries because we all know it's going more corporate. We're seeing it every day. And so you need people who understand the corporate uh, culture. And that kind of leads me back to what you were saying about the billionaires of Illinois because yeah. in the licensors. So in Pennsylvania, did you hear about the, the, um, they were doing the operational contracts or the management contracts for uh, Harvest did this. They did 90% um, management fees. So they would okay, go in and too much. I thought they were doing at least points on. No, no. So, okay. so they were going in and they got around that loophole where you could only own, I think it was uh, uh, 25% of the market or something well, that's like that. How they do it then you're going to have 10 licenses. Well, look, Illinois on the second round of questions, they answered it's page 15. It still got me shitting bricks because I'm worried that I can only represent 10 cannabis license holders for mm. dispensaries. What? And maybe only one craft grow. That is terrible because nobody understands this stuff. I should be able to represent as many clients that want to hire me. That's not a financial interest. And then would it go to vendors? Like, I'm sorry, I can only sell dirt. To I'm out. Otherwise, I have a financial interest in that cannabis company. 
the way they're defining it, they're really trying in Illinois to crack down on those chicaneries where then suddenly the, the license limits don't matter because you figured out another way to suck out the profits. Well, and then look at it this way. What I see is the big the big unknown is when federal legalization comes through, because uh, if, if you uh, right it's, now no, it's it's no it, 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 three years, two to three years. You either have to, way, you know, either okay. way. So yeah. so okay. regardless, we all know it's going to happen eventually. So when it does these these inflated markets like Florida and Illinois, what's going to happen when you can be the Amazon of weed and you can start shipping on anywhere around the country? Oh, that's not going to happen. No, well, eventually taxed alcohol. No, they, you got to pay the. You, you can't have untaxed cigarettes in your state. So you might have some slippage amongst the states in the sense that people will go to Indiana to get cheaper smokes. No, 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 I agree with you. But remember, where are they getting the initial product? Is it going to be made in Illinois or is it going to be shipped in? It's going to be tax collected. It's going to be like cigarettes where they're going to have a stamp on it. So somebody, like it's the three-tiered alcohol regulation system they had after the prohibition where it's like, all right, you're the grower, you're the transporter, a.k.a. distributor, and then you're the retail one, tax, tax, tax. And then, of course, you'd also have the excise and the municipality tax. You know, it's... Do you think when when the wall is all knocked down at that point, it's going to be a state competition who has the best weed? I mean, at this point, at that point, everybody has to have their own weed right now. This cup is so stupid. Right now, I get bourbon from Tennessee. I will get my 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 uh, uh, my beers. I get them from the Northwest. Uh, right. Where you? There's going to be a weed brand, a weed Amazon, like you're saying. Right, right. and it's going to be interstate. But uh, hang on, because the police powers that the states have are legitimate in the sense that they have the ability, if it's for the health, safety, and welfare, and they can say, look, we trust our you know security systems to make sure that the cannabis that was grown in the state of Illinois is safe. And that's what we're going to allow for sale. We don't want our market flooded with uh, cannabis where we don't know where the regulations came from or how it was grown. Uh, so like Colombia, for example, how are they going to have some type of standardization? You know what? It'd be great if there was like some type of United States Cannabis Pharmaceutical Research and Development Organization that could help us standardize these types of things. And that's so literally that's what we're doing. We're going around and, and we're literally saying you, you need to have a pharma based model. You need to have a global based business because when legalization comes in the U.S., it's, it's the U.S. market. Yes, is going to be big, but the world is bigger. All yeah. right. So we have a brand in the United States. And like, let me give you a perfect example. So the Australian company Parcel, they're a seed to sale software provider. They came to Vegas in uh, January. They spoke at a show in, in this year. So I went out there to see him. And so we went to a dispensary where they don't have those yet. And these guys are like, whatever it costs me, I'm going to buy this, you know. Yeah. And, and it's, they just Google eyed and they, they're and they're backing up the line. I'm like, look, you got to move it over. OK, some other people need to buy something. Like, oh, sorry, mate. But but the thing is, is that we're known for really good weed. Really? That is a bar, a brand and marketing ability to use in other countries. So what's going to happen? What I see is we're going to have the retail side and we're going to have the wholesale um, distribution side because the globe that like you talk about Colombia, they're going to be known, in my opinion, they're going to be a biomass mecca. You're going to go there, you're going to get the cheapest biomass you can, and then you're going to somehow either ship it to the U.S. and convert it into oils or products because then you get your cost of production dramatically lower. And the reverse, you're going to ship the product out of the U.S. to ship it around the world for the brand name. That's kind of what we're starting to see is going to eventually happen. We can enter into a licensing agreement and say, Mm -hmm. all right. I will give you my special brand of herbs and spices because this stuff is grown like, you know, in, in a warehouse to a certain extent. So where you can, it's climate controlled. And if you can control the climate and you can have reverse osmosis for the water, 
in theory, you should be able to make the, the same McDonald's hamburger in every shop. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you just enter into a licensing agreement as opposed to exporting and say like, okay, sign here, here's my secrets. You're not allowed to, you know, go rip me off and take them. And this is my fee that I'm going to be getting as you are selling and, and expanding that, uh, that, that, that trade well, name. Well, Tom, you're seeing that already. I mean, that's what bang did. That's what uh, Dixie elixirs did. They went to every state. They did the licensing deal. Whoever had the license use our formula and our IP and we get the VIG. You know what I'm saying? And so what we're starting to see is we're starting to see the same thing in the cannabis globally. Like um, I'm one of the board members for a new journal called the American journal of endocannabinoid medicine. We're getting ready to sign a deal with Australian group to do the AGM Australia. And then we're going to go AGM Europe or whatever. And so the thing is, we need to take this knowledge around the world and keep that gain in the industry because we have a big gain. And so I've been lucky enough to speak overseas. And the feeling you get overseas as an American talking about cannabis is, well, you know, you kind of know something about it. So we kind of have to listen to you, you know, but we really don't want to. But, you know, so we need to kind of use this, this, even though we're kind of behind, but kind of ahead because of legalization, we need to take mm -hmm. the knowledge and bring it around because that knowledge is going to be able to, to have us permeate these new new countries and really yeah. get a foothold because these people want our knowledge. And, and so there's value in that and there's money in that. Hey, Michael, well, I'm going to the chat into as many languages as we can. Maybe we're going to get a zillion more subs in, in Romania. Hey, well, it's called Daga in, uh, in Africa. I know that much. Daga. Yeah. It but is in South Africa, yes. Or South Africa. Um, I, I, I was going to ask you about New Zealand because uh, they did. They're going to be uh, legalizing it, right? They just passed. Uh, they legalized in uh, in last December, kind of like when we legalized hemp. But yeah. the, they've given a few licenses. They don't allow for any imports, but they are allowing for export. But this is the challenge with New Zealand. There's only 4 million people there. It's a great place. If anybody in New Zealand's listening, I'm excited to come. Big with the All Blacks. But, yeah. um, but the thing is, they have to figure out how do you compete in a global economy? And so Party. that's one of the reasons I'm talking is that, I mean, in Washington state, it's so easy to produce. Well, in New Zealand, you got the, the transport cost to get it out of the country. You know, so how can you compete with the cost of doing it in Columbia or even in Washington state if your customer is in Washington state? You well, know, so. Georgian shipped everywhere. It's going to be that licensing thing, I think. That's, mm. that's the old noggin that I have, though. Well, right now you look at look at Germany. So Germany is a perfect example. They legalized in 2017. Well, they still don't have any product that's being grown domestically in Germany. Where is yeah. it coming from? It's coming from Canada. It's actually coming from Israel. Actually, 99 percent is coming from Canada. But what we see happening is these international trade agreements are going to really start kicking in. So Germany just did a licensing phase, about 10 licenses. And it's very interesting. The way they did it is they have a maximum price that they're going to pay like like a Medicare or a Medicaid. So they're actually covering it through socialized medicine. But the, the cap is right now, I think it's like $4 a gram. So if you have to, you're only going to reimburse $4 a gram, you have to get your costs dramatically lower. And right now, the Canadian cannabis companies, their their trade, their costs are somewhere between $1.80 and $2 a gram, I think. Mm. Um, so you're really going to have to get that cost down. And so that's what's going to uh, uh, encourage them to get their cost down. And the money in it is going to have to come from ancillary areas. And I talk a lot about it's not always just growing and selling and growing and selling. There's other stuff. I mean, look at Tom. Tom's an attorney. He's, 
He's not growing right now, but he's making money because he's handling all the legal stuff. Well, you have financiers for that. You have operators for that. You have, you know, people doing the the marketing and all those different types of things. And so there's there's a a lot of what I call picks and shovels in the industry. You just got to find your right picks and shovel and you can do very, very well and you can help move society forward. And so our mission statement with U.S. Cannabis is to move society forward through legalized cannabis. It doesn't say get high and make a lot of money. Okay, that would be cool. Was that it was like we're not gonna go with that one, guys. It's too (laughs) yeah, that that didn't make the 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 final cut, but (laughs) but to me is what we need is if we're gonna do this as a global industry, we need to bring some standards in and we need to help others. For example, the deal in Africa, nobody will trust it because it's Africa. Well, it's not their fault. And we were on a call, I gotta tell you this. We're on a call with Israel about a potential deal, and the question came up: well, do you have pesticides? And our contact in Africa laughed. He goes, they don't have any money for pesticides. They don't have any money for fertilizer. It's 100% organic. You know? yeah. So, so you, it's just things that we don't think about. Who do you think is harder to sell? Would it be African weed or Chinese weed? Chinese weed. That's what I figured too. Yeah, because you can you can get past like the more I learn about Africa, these are just regular people who are farmers. They're growing outdoors. And we as Americans don't understand the scope of their land. It's like, for example, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo goes from Florida to Canada. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's just so much land we don't even think about. And it's yeah. all pristine. And what we're learning is these countries want to be part of the global economy. They hear the buzz just like we do. And they want to up their standards because other industries that they have are not doing well. For example, um, in Tanzania, they grow a lot of tobacco, which I didn't know. Well, the tobacco market's gone down globally. Why? Because less people are smoking tobacco. So, you know, when you look at it as a commodity, you look at how can I help this commodity grow? And then how can we make money, of course? But then how can we help others in that that thing where you're talking about the social equity that goes globally which is exciting to see yeah. mm-hmm. michael when you speak uh at your international places do you ever and tom can help correct me on this one do you mention how like part of the reason they have it illegal is because they signed a un contract an agreement that they'll schedule one their drugs like you know part of the reason why it's illegal is part of the american influence and then here comes this american saying hey we were yeah. fucked up well, usually, usually what I do, I distance myself from the U.S. government. <laughs> so that's not that one, one. But but I agree with you. And the way they kind of get around what I understand with the U.N. regulations is you can do it if it's medical. If you notice, only Uruguay and Canada have come out and say it's 100 percent legal wreck. Every other country is doing the more medical cannabis. And so what we see internationally is you really have to focus on the medical component because they have to win over their society just like we're winning over ours. Mm -hmm. So they have to come in and look, a perfect example is MedMen. Got nothing against them, but they came out of the gates and what was their model? We're wreck. We're going to make you think wreck is great. And so, well, the problem is that doesn't resonate with 65-year-olds. That doesn't resonate with 58-year-olds who have five comorbidities. You know what I'm saying? So what I think they're learning is you have to show value. And the way you show value in cannabis is demonstrating the medicinal properties in some way, shape, or form. What was a study came out of Michigan. It said 40% of cannabis users recreationally are using it for medical reasons. And the number one reason is sleep. So let's focus on those things. And one of the challenges when you get into recreational is you're going to have all these bud tenders and all these people who don't want to go through the medical process walking into the stores and say, fix me. Well, then how can this person who's 25, who's sitting there and getting 10 bucks an hour plus bonus, going to sit there and tell you what strain to use for your uh, neuralgia or your Parkinson's? Yeah. People have this wonderful ability to be overconfident and think they know what they're talking about. 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, people, you know what? I've been accused of that, Tom, but I tell everybody, look, I know a lot about this business. I'm yeah. not saying I know a lot about everything. Yeah, right? I, I know, I, but, but people like to do that. People have opinions on things they don't even know. It's great. Right. It's like, well, how can you form an opinion of that? You're just guessing. Hey, that's what it felt like to me. Well, <laughs> That's the kind of case where you'd recommend, like your website, uh, Michael, with the uh, the American Cannabinoid uh, Journal, would mm -hmm. be to uh, for the bud tenders to research it, right? Because you're you're having peer reviewed documents come out. Uh, and what our, we do is you, we have the first ever peer reviewed find, uh, uh, studies, just like the New England Journal of Medicine. We're not an open source journal, so we don't accept payment for for articles. It has to be legit, and so we're, we keep adding more medical board members, which are, have have a lot of initials behind their name, which makes me excited because yeah. we're getting more legitimacy as an industry. And but so, it's so difficult because of the Schedule One status. I know, I know. And so. And, and yeah. what, what is interesting, what we're finding, Tom, is a lot of people do the studies off the data. So somebody else will do the study and they'll analyze the data. And that's yeah. some of the studies that we're getting. Also, you're seeing these these case studies like I was a, I had an article published in the first issue. It was about nursing home usage in uh, New York at this one nursing home. And it was only on 10 people because that's all they could do. And the patients had to buy it themselves. And so they yeah. had to self report. You know, that's where we are right now. We yeah. do have some good studies coming out of Israel and other other countries that are legalizing are putting studies in the pipeline. For example, Australia has five or six clinical trials running right now. And so that data will be available through our uh, the American Journal of Endocannabinoid Medicine in the next couple issues. So we get excited because you mentioned, uh, um, uh, uh, Miggy, about the education. And so what I see happening is bud tenders and, and people like that are going to have to have qualified or, or uh, re recommended CME or continuous medical education, just like I'm an occupational therapist and nursing administrator. I have to get a certain amount of education every year to maintain my license. That's where we want to see it go. Because yeah. we need to educate people. Because my concern is is things like the vaping crisis. That gives us all a bad reputation. Why? Well, that, was, that was that was that was a direct example. Of I the agree, hundred percent. I agree. Following the lawful market, and the lawful market was doing it correctly because they're regulated. But I mean that this never would have come up in the 1990s because everything was being grown illicitly. So they weren't like, hey, uh. Let's figure out how to extract this, mix back in some terpenes, and then we'll create an e-cigarette. What's an e-cigarette? It'll be invented in 2003 by a Chinese guy. Cool. I mean, like, it just wouldn't have come up. And right. so uh, that type of stuff that you see in the industry where this thing is just new. I mean, like, so what do you see the cannabis industry evolving into over the next decade? It's going to all pharma. I'm telling you. So you're going to have the way I see it going is you're going to have big pharma is going to somehow take over. We don't know exactly how. You see G yeah, GW. Yeah. Is the FDA going to shut down CBD hemp? Right. Well, th this is the thing. Those companies are going to be bought out. So you're going to have the bigger CBD companies. Uh, you know, you got um, Stanley Brothers, those guys, uh, the Canaways of the world. Uh, I'm not big on multi-mill marketing. No offense if you do Canaway, but um, those companies are going to get bought. Why? Because if I'm a, a, a if I'm a big pharma company and I buy you for a billion and a half dollars, that's really not a lot of money to me. So right, I'm buying the it's distribution in an account somewhere. Right. Because look at like, for example, look at Florida. So the licenses Harvest came in and bought a license with no seeds in the ground for $70 million. Now, did they overpay? Yes. But we're doing a constitutional amendment next year for REC. If it passes, we have 22 million people in Florida and we yes. had 124 million tourists last year. Yes. Mm. Exactly. So there's two competing uh, constitutional amendments. One is for home grow and one is not. One keeps the power and, and home grow is not going to pass. 
It's not going to be Florida is the one that we had tuna on. Uh, Robert Platshorn truly uh, sponsors him. Regulate Florida allows for the uh, home grow and then legalize right. Florida says no. Legalize Florida, I think, is being spearheaded by Medicine Man or I'm sorry, MedMan. No, MedMan, right. Right. And so they'll win. You know why? Because we have 4.2 million seniors. And when you talk talking about home grow and the police hate it and all this stuff, you got to get 60 percent of yeses here. So it's not 50 percent, 51 percent. So to me and, and, and people hate it when I say this. But look, I'm a realist. Home grow. Everybody hates it because you got to bring this in slowly. OK, bring it in to where. And, and to me, as, as as an operator, I would love home grow. You know why? Because when people start growing their own weed, it's not easy. Okay, it's a pain in the ass. So what would I do? I do these kits and I'd sell it to them for a thousand bucks. And then they're paying all this money and be like, well, I could just sell it to you for a lot cheaper. It's like, oh, okay, I'll do that. What I think, I think is a home grow is going to be like the home gym industry. Everybody's going to be like, I'm going to be growing my own. I'm going to be on that treadmill. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to check the PA every day. And then a month later. On top of them, you're using them to store shit. You know, nobody's going to home grow my ass. To me, bring it on. It's you know? proven that it'll go that way because here in Washington, when it was medical, we had clones, we had seeds you could spy at the, the dispensaries, and we weren't overgrowing because it's fucking hard, period. Right. Right. It is hard. <laughs> and so that's why I'm all about it. I'm like, bring it on. But society, yeah. like, you, this is the challenge. You look at Oklahoma. Everybody's like, Oklahoma's great, and they have so much access. Okay. They've got 4 million people, and they have 7,500 licensed businesses. Do you think all those businesses are going to be successful? No. no, right. And so they're sitting there and we were we were like, by the way, you if you lose your shirt in Oklahoma, you can't get a fresh start. They will break your legs or whatever the, the, the mumbo and jumbo, the guys that you borrowed the money from that you can't pay it back. Well, this is the thing, Tom. The only requirement was you have to have a thirty five hundred dollars make it pay thirty five hundred bucks and pass a background check. Oh shit. so we were lucky enough to have some some uh, some pull. We actually tried to we helped the Oklahoma legislature with some ideas on on the it's called the Unity Bill. So we mm-hmm. actually came in. We have some t- a team there, and so we were trying to really emphasize: you really got to put some teeth into this because now the cat's out of the bag, and you're going to have all these companies getting robbed and all these problems. And sure enough, they didn't have seed to sale because they came out of the gates too quick. It wasn't their fault. It was a constitutional amendment. None of the people in the government thought it was going to pass. And I'm like, obviously, you're not in touch with the cannabis movement. So, right. so, so they kind of got caught. They kind of got right. caught. No fucking clue what we like. It's like, hey, uh, I'm in charge of things, but I have no idea what you want. So I'm going to make sure that it's legal for you to do anything with your body. Well, and and to be honest, it it took the power of the people to move it forward. But now this is where we all come in to say, okay, this is greatest legal, but we have to put some safety in. So, you know, one of the things I preach on is public safety, patient access and commerce. Those three things have to balance. And I call them the Patterson pillars because my name's Patterson and I invented them. So that's what I call them. So, um, so both, if you, if you really look at that and you put it on an industry, you can come into any industry, anywhere in the world, look at those three areas and say, what doesn't work here? What is not balanced? And so when you arrest everybody who takes it, then you don't have patience. When you make it too easy, like California, then everybody is that the law is, is in check and nobody understands what the law is. And so you have a lot of problems there. So you need some good balance to me. Illinois is pretty good. You know, you have some decent balance as you were talking about. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, and you got to start somewhere. The supply is going to be tight as a drum, and right. you know I'm going to be lobbying to put the number of. I think, I think with a twelve uh, ish, yeah, it's a twelve to thirteen million population. I think you probably need about fifteen hundred dispensary licenses 
to make sure that people aren't waiting too long. You know, well, and, that, and also you look at like Florida allows for home delivery. The reason they did that is because they didn't want a lot of stores. So to me here, you're going to have to make it like a just in time at like pizza delivery pizza model because you can go into the stores for eventually you're going to see here. You're going to see destination stores. Why? Because in Florida, we're a destination. So if you're coming from Michigan, you'll be like, hey, let's go to dispensary. It's going to be cool and all the stuff. And then we just want a bag. You'll go online and order it in 20 minutes and you'll get a separate service there. So mm -hmm. you're going to have to have two different models. But what I tell people when they're looking to get in the industry is you need to think big. You need to think when when the legalization uh, curtain comes down on the U.S., what's going to happen? And we're going to start to see uh, colors of that when we're dealing with hemp. Right now, they're freaking out in Europe because we're about to have a glut of hemp. And so when we have a glut of hemp, we're going to have a glut of CBD. Well, where's that CBD going to go? It's not going to stay here. It's going to go overseas and it's going to be dirt cheap and it's going to be better than what they're doing over there. So these are the things we have to think globally because now we're going out all over the world right now on this show. And so this is what the industry is going to be in another five years when the U.S. legalizes. You're going to have deals going all over the world and trade. And so that makes me excited because you talk about competition. Now you're dealing with global competition. And so we're going to get the best product for the cheapest price. And people will make money, but a lot of people are going to lose money because they just think it's a money tree and they don't have to do anything. Well, it's, it's funny you say that, too, because uh, uh, a lot of people hit me up to to do stuff here in Washington, like writing and, and do my advocacy. But I, I try and tell them, like, look, for the past 20 years, I've been focusing on like the national thing. Like I I just shout out to the big God in the sky and hope shit happens. You know, I'm not going to shout out to my governor. I'm trying to shout out to whoever the bigger picture, you know, because that's really what we're about. Right. Eventually, like corporate cannabis does take over. If corporate cannabis take over at that point, it means it's already legal. And there's already a home grow at that point. Because there's home brews, um, you know, there's just the pitcher, the cat out of the bag, all that shit's going to be way too much for people to try and contain. But while, while I got you in our last 15 minutes, I'm really curious about your work with the tribes. Okay, sure. So uh, our company, U.S. Cannabis, we do a lot of work with the different Indian tribes. Uh, we worked with a tribe called the Colville Tribe out by you. Uh, we went to OMAC in Washington. Uh, first time for me being in, out, out there, and I had a great time. Uh, I stuck out like a sore thumb, as you can imagine, being from well, the OMAC, South. A lot of big culture out there for cannabis, like long, old culture. Yeah. And so we, we went out and talked to them in 2014 when, you know, when the U.S. government came out and said that cannabis is uh, uh, tribes can grow their own cannabis. We talked to the OMAC tribe and basically kind of gave them the over the, the, the big picture. Say, OK, you can do this, but this is going to be your challenge. It's going to be your problem. Um, we just wanted to be objective. And they decided not to move forward at that time. Um, I think it has something to do with they don't really trust the federal government. I think they have a long list of reasons why. So, um. So they, but now they're doing into hemp trials and they've kind of been dabbling in it. And then we're working through a tribal organization out of Oklahoma that is getting ready to uh, release uh, funds from a lawsuit from 20 years ago. And it basically, the lawsuit was about uh, economic development and activity and all this money has been set aside and it's, it's a lot of money. And so they just had a, a, a bid pro bidding process to where uh, our company bid through some partner organizations to do education and training for American Indians who want to get into the hemp industry. And okay. so we would go out and educate them and develop curriculum to be able to help them move forward in this industry, hook them up with financial services, teach them how to write a business plan, you know, oh. really focus on the science. If you want to deal with the growing side, you want to deal with the financial side, you know. And so our goal is to really help the tribes, because what we see happening is tribes can can do very well with this. Also, they can do very well from a cryptocurrency aspect. 
And so we've actually worked through the tribal group to actually develop a cryptocurrency that is get it where we're actually in the final stages with the USSCC to hopefully get what they call a no action letter. And so this would be the law that would back up any token in the world. And so like you look at uh, Libra uh, and uh, uh, out on Facebook where they got in front of Congress and they said, basically, we don't have the law. Well, our company, it's called Paytrax. We have the law. We just have to go through. We're going through all the legal channels now. It's been seven years since we've been working on this. We're not just going to throw it out there and say, hey, invest in this. This is what it is. We're, yeah. we're doing our homework and making sure it passes the muster. And if we can get that no action letter, it's going to be something that we can help back up any token on the planet. Because what we're learning is or what I'm learning. My crypto guys already know this. But what I'm learning is that you need the law to back up any type of technology. And that's the issue with cryptocurrency. There's no law backing it up. And so yeah. our pilot is what we want to use as a pilot is the state of Oklahoma. We want to come in and allow growers and sellers to pay each other with crypto. So they don't have cash because we know banking is an issue. So if we can allow less cash in the system, then it's going to be a safer system. And so the way these cryptos can make money is they charge a merchant processing fee, just like you would a credit card. And yeah. so that way it works and it's safe and it's reliable. And so that's what we're working for. So we're looking to go into early the first quarter is to start breaking it out to do the pilot program with the actual token and then hopefully go go national and then go global. So that's the goal with that. And that's all through tribes. Nice. Have you looked at other crypto uh, platforms that have done this already? I know in Washington, we've had several dispensaries, pot shops have done crypto. Mm. And one in particular, Uncle Ike's, they, uh, one of the bigger brands out here, uh, they had it for like three months and then it disappeared and mm -hmm. i'm guessing it has to do with the fluctuation of bitcoin that's, that's what they're using their now, because the way it works bitcoin okay and if you're a crypto expert listening to me then i'm not going to get all this right i'm telling you right now but but from what i've learned is that blockchain is a separate cryptocurrency and so these guys are creating a new cryptocurrency and so right. the biggest question you ask is what is holding up your crypto is it cash is it gold is it what kind of of currency or what kind of of unit of value is backing it up and what is your law they should be able to show you the law that they're following and if they can't then it, it could be considered a scheme and so you just need to be careful because if you're working with them and you're getting all your payments through that crypto and they go dark one day, then what are you going to do? And so that's another thing. We talk to cannabis based companies and say, you really need to do your homework because if you're if you're Facebook and you don't have the law and all of a sudden 20 billion people are using your token and then it goes dark, then what are you going to do? You know, so this is the thing where we still have to work out the bugs, but everybody puts cannabis and crypto in the same bucket because they're both new. They're both pseudo legal. And so they're kind of being used together. But I think there's a really good play if you can do it right. And one of the beauties of the of the token we have with Paytrax and the system is 30 percent of all profits go to, to the Indian population to help make the world a better place in the bylaws. So what we see nationally and globally is you just can't go out and be pigs and make money all the time. It's just not going to be society's not going to accept that. So you really need to start working in your social equity problems because it's just better. I mean, you can still yeah. make a lot of money and do a lot of great things. And so that's what we try to say on trending. That's what we're trying to tell everybody, these bigger companies who now we have access to these bigger companies who, you know, five years ago, they wouldn't pay attention to us. Well, now with the background in regulated industries, they can they can bring all the lawyers they want, but they don't understand cannabis. And Tom, you probably get that all the time. Uh, yeah, I do. It's funny. It's adorable. But at the same time, <laughs> I would just like to thank everybody who's joined us and give us a like and subscribe. And now we're going to finally get to the meat of our, uh, our our cannabis legalization news episode today. It was the five biggest threats to the cannabis industry in 2020. And we have Michael Patterson here to kind of give us uh, some insight as to what he thinks the uh, the big hurdles will be to the cannabis movement 
uh, nationwide and then globally in 2020? Number one thing is regulation. It's not consistent. It's not ideal. And so we all know in markets, we have to have more money coming into the markets. Okay, That's period. What? One of my dreams is to be one of the founding uh, you know, writers. It's not the uniform commercial code that was written in like the 1950s, but the uniform cannabis commercial code. So we'll just add an extra C on it. And then uh, we can create some type of standardization for the licensing. And all, uh, I find it amusing that uh, some of the most hotly protected IP are what they call standard operating procedures. And I'm like, shouldn't these just be standardized from the top up so you have to comply with this? Shh, no, we're trying to compete for a license here. We can't tell them what we're doing. That, that So I'm going to totally agree with you on regulation. What else? Um, what I see is uh, regulation and also that kind of goes with standardization. So the biggest standard that we see is GMP or good manufacturing practices. Um, that's the standard that we're starting to see globally. And that's the standard we're going to see start taking over. So uh, do they have GMP cannabis? They're getting it, believe it or not. So what they're doing is, and what we see across the industry is they're taking, uh, they're picking different pieces from different industry, whether it be pharmacy or research or believe it or not, nursing homes and home health. I mean, I'm seeing small little code taken from everywhere. And so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So I would say standardization, um, that's going to be a big thing. And, and another one is globalization. A lot of people in America don't believe that. But when I go to these conferences and you see the, the it's, it's America five years ago. So it's literally like stepping back in a time warp. You're like, well, no matter what country you're in is what you're telling me. I'm sorry. People love weed and cannabis oh, and, no matter and, what country and, you're in. And the, the, another, that leads me to the next one is unity. So everywhere I go around the world, this plant brings us all together. So I'm talking to a PhD and I'm talking to an MD and I'm talking to a financial planner and a stoner and everybody's getting along because we're all yeah. talking about the plant. And wonder, so I wonder the 20th century made this illegal because that was that old style of non-woke capitalism where it was right. like, I got this, it's flipping mine and I'm not giving it away for free. You right. Know, Stuff, the, the, the unity and, and that and to, from the unity to me that leads to ingenuity and it leads to advancement because I don't know everything about crypto. I don't know everything about banking. I know about rules and rules and I know how to lead a good team. When I used to run the nursing home chain, we had 2,500 employees all mm. over the U.S. So I understand what it takes to run a big organization. And so a lot of people I see getting into the industry, they don't have that experience. So I tell people, if you don't have experience, Go out and get more experience by hiring somebody or bringing somebody into your team. And I, I work a lot off the Ocean's Eleven management philosophy is bringing all these people from the movies, Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve. I don't know all that stuff. Not we're not robbing a bank, but I don't know banking. Let me get a banker. Let me do a, get a general contractor who grows this because what I see is we're slowly becoming the Halliburton of wheat. So whether we like it or not, is, is so many people are reaching out. I'm lucky enough to have 17,000 people on LinkedIn and a lot of people around the world want to know what is this? And you guys see it. You got all the people looking at your stuff. It's like you, you and, and what I find it, and the last one, I think I, I would say is leadership. The people who know need to tell and the people who don't know need to listen. And right. so they need to kind of shape it. So once you have a good frame of reference, one of the number one things I, I see globally is we don't have a frame of reference of this industry that everybody can agree on. That's the number one. Because if you can't, you, you don't have a starting point, then how are you going to move forward together? Right. And so that's what I see. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Miggy. Oh, no, you're good, brother. I was just going to say, there's no one to look at right now yet. That that one star, that one. Hey, I, I, as a matter of fact, the ones that you can look at were got successful and rich when it was illegal. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not they're not they're not showboating. <laughs> oh, we had a guy. I gotta tell you, we from investors. We, we had this group that was uh, they were gonna give us a half a million dollars. I said, okay, well, we got to show where you got it. And they're like, well, <laughs> uh, uh, that may be kind of hard to do. And I was like, I hate. Well, I'd love to take your money, but I don't want to go to prison. Okay, conversation where it's like. And I like to do it more along the line of the anatomy of murder, uh, you know, that old Jimmy Stewart thing, you know, just with the, where the lawyer tells you what you should do without, like, telling you how to do it, you know, where it's like, are you telling me that you came in here with that kind of cash without buying a restaurant or, like, some type of, if you just start listing all the, the, the things that you could just wash money through and make sure that that stuff's clean as a whistle when it gets there and you'd be like, well, I have a line of Mexican restaurants in four different cities. Of course you do. There you go. All right. Hey, it's doing very well. This cash I run an entertainment company. Yeah, we're dealing cash. Yeah. I have a license to a thing that allows women to take their clothes off. I do this thing that has a thing and I make money. That's all you need to know. Like, no, I'm sorry. We do need a little bit more information than that. That's right. You can't just sell drugs, have the cash in a safe, and then think that you're good, you know? Right. Right. It just doesn't work that way. So that's what I see is is you really have to f- find partnerships. And I would say the last thing I would recommend is you got to look for the the uh, the choke points. Look for the areas that people are having trouble with and use your skills to fill that void. Right now, blockchain seed to sale is coming. It's going to be huge. It's going to be the tra- international transport. Figure out how you're going to help that problem. Figure out the regulations in different countries. How can you solve that problem? When you solve problems, you can make a lot of money in this industry. And so one of the things we focused on is a lot of the choke points, which take a long time to fix so we've got projects we've been working on for six years like this license in florida we've been working on this for three and a half years still hadn't really gotten where but what well, i find is go ahead i think has happened with when you do these ballot initiatives where the people tell the, the people in charge what they want you get those types of situations where it's like don't tell me what to do we're your voters you know, do what we said you know but so I, I'm, I'm go ahead mickey i was just saying i think it's good that your group is involved in these uh, uh, just different policy making processes, mm-hmm. you know, across the country and international. If you can, uh, I have a friend who speaks at she speaks at who, uh, Amy Case King, uh, and she also spoke at uh, God damn it, it's F A A T. I don't know what it stands for. It's fat, but okay. it's a it's a drug pro drug uh, awareness, you know, education okay. type policy group. But the the fact is, you have to be out there to help out, and and mm-hmm. with you being in the states, I mean, you're still on the forefront of all this. That's that's pretty well, good. Well, and the cool thing is now we're branching into other industries. I got a I got a request to speak at a, a, a IT summit in Florida in February, and I'm like, sure. What am I speaking on? They go, we're having a special class on cannabis and IT, and I'm like, great. I'll tell you everything about about cannabis. Can't tell you much about IT. Okay, but but the thing is, they need to understand all the problems so they know how to fix them, just like any industry. And so I get excited because that's a brand new audience. And if you're a businessman, it's a brand new a brand new line of business. Right. And so and banking, I was able to speak at the first ever cannabis banking summit in Pittsburgh this summer. Got to meet all these bankers. Don't know much about banking. They didn't know anything about cannabis. So we go together and you collaborate. And the more collaboration, the more we can move this forward quicker and better. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you're talking about a wall that's 80, 80 years deep on prejudice and just lies and scare tactics. And, and Tom, I call it the prohibition hangover. That's what we're dealing with. People, you know, they they have they don't want to listen. And so it's a hangover. And the people who get rid of that hangover quick are going to make some good money and do great things. And the people who wait are going to are going to cost them a lot more money. Yeah. You want to get in. 
people that are waiting are usually the ones that are getting the money right now from Uncle Sam because they're like, hey, man, I got a good thing going. Mm -hmm. Don't get in the way of my Uncle Sam money. So like your health care is your banking. Mm -hmm. Anybody taking that on the, the VA. So like, you know, if you're a vet, you, it's on their website. Sorry, we can't, you know. Right. Yep. Sucks. And so you know, we have to go ahead, Miggy. I'll just say, even though they think that it's the doctor should be allowed, they have to make an official statement saying we don't support because the VA has come out before and said we think it should be at least looked into. But well, yeah. and, and that a lot of that is because of federal law and it's because yeah. of the people in the government telling them what they can and cannot do. And so I have a we have a VA, a former VA doctor on our team <laughs> and the stories he tells, he's like, it's bureaucracy to his finest. And I said, well, then you need to get in there and start working to fix it. He goes, OK, OK, let's do it because he's retired now. So he didn't yeah. care, you know, so. You, you have all these people and in Florida, we're lucky enough to have a lot of retirees from their first profession and they still have a lot of giving left. And so to really tap into their knowledge, I mean, we got former DEA, former CIA, former NSA, and they all want to participate and help because now they, they know the inner workings and they kind of know how to get things done. And they shoot me in front of people and I run my mouth and try to start changing ideas to realize this is a, this is a business. This is a, an industry and you're going to help people if you do X, Y, and Z. And my, most people after they hear me talk to like, it's kind of like listening to you is like drinking from a fire hose. I said, oh, no, well, did you learn anything? Yeah. They say a little bit, a little bit. But <laughs> but to me, I'd rather them re remember something and remember I was full of shit or whatever. But at least they're learning a little bit about cannabis. And that's my goal is because it's going to affect everybody in every market anywhere in the world in some way, shape or form. It's definitely a wellness thing. I mean, it's about us being better as a people and as a, you know, our nation. Right. It unites us all. And so we need to tap into that that unification and work together, because to me, as natural resources continue to decline, then fear, uncertainty and doubt are going to thrive. And so it's up to people like us to come out and bring that unity and bring the hope back, because if we lose hope as a, as a people, as a, as a race, basically, as a, as a species, that's where I think this is going. And people think I'm crazy, but cannabis and hemp are going to unite and save this planet. And it's up to people like us to make it happen. I for forever. <laughs> Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. You're um, welcome, guys. Where can we find and follow U.S. Cannabis? Uh, you can follow us at uscprd.com. That's USC, P is in Paul, R is in Randy, D is in dog.com. And then definitely uh, uh, look me up on LinkedIn, Michael Patterson at U.S. Cannabis. I'd love for you to follow me. I, I post a lot, by the way. I post a lot about rules, laws, um, and what's going on in the industry so people are aware and knowledgeable, not just what's going on in your backyard, but everywhere. Awesome. And Tom, what's going on this Sunday? Oh, what is going on this Sunday? Oh, I don't even think I haven't I haven't had time to get a guest. Miggy, if you can source us a guest, I that would be awesome. Saturday I'm speaking at uh, University of Illinois Chicago or something on, on cannabis. And then I will be trying to get enough sleep and, and get my my applications for my clients in, in good order so that they win. But I'm worried about the uh, the winning because of the competitions and because of the rigging and who knows what's gonna happen. But yeah, thanks so much, Michael, for coming on. And I totally agree with you and uh, believe that this, this new style of capitalism that's in the 21st century uh, is all about cannabis. And it's, it's a very clear distinction between how things were run the past hundred years where it was more about fear and divisiveness and, oh, don't you have a problem that I could fix with this pill or this gas or you know whatever. And then now it's going to be something of substance. It's going to be really right. cool. Definitely exciting. Yep. Thank you so much, Michael. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. As always, make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you guys next week. Later.